Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Chris Connolly. And I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Above all, we love bringing librarians and great books together. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Library Love Fest podcast. This is Lainey, and I'm so excited to have with me today another um, episode of Editors Unedited. And today we are gonna hear from Jennifer Barth, Senior Vice President and Executive Editor at Harper Books. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Hi. Um, you have a great episode lined up and a great author guest. So I'm gonna hand it over to you to get started. Hello everyone and thank you, Lainey. Um, I am really excited to introduce my, uh, my partner in this conversation, Kimberly McCrate. Um, Kimberly is the New York Times bestselling author of Reconstructing Amelia, Where They Found Her, and most recently, A Good Marriage, which was a library reads pick, thank you, uh, and a book of the month club selection, and has been optioned by Nicole Kidman's production company for Amazon. She is also the author of the Outliers trilogy for young adult readers. Harper will publish her fourth novel, Friends Like These, this coming September. She is also an incredibly fun author to work with, and I'm so excited to have the chance to interview Kim on this podcast because even though I have asked her a million questions in the process of editing her, um, probably more than she would like, I am a, a big believer in asking questions as part of the editorial process, and I'm probably a little pesky about it, um, even though, I mean, I have bombarded her with questions on the page, off the page. Given the tight schedules we work with, we usually dive right into the world of each novel. And so we don't take the time to step back and talk about process and inspiration. And, and so in preparing for this conversation, I realized I have so many questions I want to ask Kim. So this is a real treat for me. I'm going to jump right in with my first question. And honestly, I have no idea how Kim is going to answer this. So here goes. Kim, what comes first for you, the characters or the story? And I'm wondering in general, but also specifically with friends like these. Yeah. So um, first of all, I'm so excited to do this, Jennifer. Um, I've, I've seen or heard these episodes and always been like covetous of wanting to do this because there's nothing more fun than just to talk to your editor about craft of writing, which I feel like none of us as authors get to do enough. So thank you to Library Love Fest for giving us a chance to do this um, and to all the librarians out there listening. Um, so yeah, the answer is it depends. Um, so I'm gonna to speak to friends like these because with each book, it is a little different. Um, and with friends like these, it really came first, um, the inspiration from the setup, uh, which was these five college friends being at this house upstate uh, for the weekend um, and the kind of culture clash that was, that was going on um, in this town uh, between you know, these kind of wealthy out of towners coming up for the weekend. And, 
a friend of mine that the people in the book and friends like these go to um, attended Vassar College 10 years earlier and I attended Vassar College um, where I graduated from and about I would say a couple years ago three years ago I went um, upstate to stay at the country house of a friend of mine from Vassar a very close friend and she hosted a big party. Um, and I remember just really being struck, uh, struck by the contrast um, in the people attending party and attending the party in the, the outlying community, which um, there was kind of a lot of socioeconomic pressure in the town, um, but also a lot of affluence kind of existing side by side. So um, I was, that's where I, um, where I started. I thought, God, and her house is gorgeous. She's an architect. And um, I thought, this is just like a setup for a book. <laughs> um, but you can start in that place and then have no idea what the book is uh, and, and what's going to happen. That's really just like an idea, which is um, the thrilling part of writing books and the challenging part. So um, starting there, I would say, then I go to the characters. Like that's really just a very basic, like I'm gonna have these people go to this you know, house upstate and we're gonna see what happens. And then once I focus in on the characters, I first have to decide on the point of view, like how many point of view characters am I gonna have? What points of view are they, like who's gonna tell the story? And in this case, there are, um, you know, five friends. The, the narrative alternates between them, and there's also a police detective, and kind of two time frames we move between. And so, I need to work that out first, um, and then I get to know the characters. Um, and all these elements are happening before I figure out what happens at all. <laughs> so I really have to narrow down kind of where I'm going to start, and then I write my way into the story um, once I have the characters figured out and the point general points of view now some of those characters might get eliminated and I might change some of the points of view later, but it at least gives me a frame to start with. Um, and then once I'm in the point of view of the characters, I really just start assembling it scene by scene um, and find the story that way. Um, I, you know, people often want to know if like I know the twist, um, there's often a, a twist in my books. And I usually have some idea about that, like where I'm headed in general. So I have a point, kind of point on the wall in the distance to write to. Um, but it really, really don't, I uh, don't outline anything in advance and I really just let it um, develop organically. And um, as you know, Jennifer, from being a part of the process that has upsides and downsides. Um, but I would say that, that an upside is that I'm not um, tied ever to a particular outcome in the book. Um, and I really feel like I'm prepared to change if something isn't working because the characters aren't delivering you to that moment and it just doesn't feel right. Um, and so I, I, I like having that flexibility and I think it, it lets the, the twists when you finally get there feel more organic to the story and to the characters than, than for me than if I'd come up with it first. Speaking of twists, um, I don't, I'm gonna speak very carefully because I don't wanna give away anything um, because they're, there are, I'd say multiple twists, but one in particular that is quite significant and held back until the very end with the biggest twist in the story. Was that something you, you were working towards that all along or for a long time? It feels like that was deeply embedded in the, the DNA of the, the characters. Yeah. yeah, for a very long time, I was working towards that. And, and for me, I had always wanted, I feel like, you know, again, all my books are structured around some sort of twist. But I do think this book much more so, and um, I really wanted to do that. And it 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 is um, very hard to execute. Um, and so I it was something I've always wanted to do in a book uh, more so. And I think this book um, delivers that more. So yeah, it was it was um, always a big um, a big piece of it from the start for sure. 
And with your characters, do you really picture them in your head? Like, do they take on lives of their own in terms of their physical appearances? Or are they more just you feel like you know them as people and they speak to you that way? Or is it both? Oh. I see the whole thing visually. Um, I watch it like a movie. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I see it. Um, each scene and each, I feel literally like when I get, when I go to, to when I'm writing a scene and I'm seeing it and it, it's not working, I literally have to like rewind it and be like, all right, let's start again. Like get them out of the room and like come back in. Um, so uh, that's, yeah. So I very much do see them um, physically. Uh, and I really feel like, to me, it's why I love writing so much is that I really get to just go somewhere else <laughs> mm -hmm. um, for extended periods of time when I'm working. Um, and yeah, so, so it's, it's a visual process for me, first and foremost. Yeah, well, and I, I think that translates onto the page, and which is one of the reasons your novels are so immersive, is that the, the worlds feel fully realized. And um, I think that's one of the, the keys to to fiction that really, you know, that you escape into as a reader is that it feels like you don't have to do any work. It's all there and you're just put into the middle of it and you believe in these people as real people. And it's, uh, it's just, you know, a real a feat um, that you accomplish and accomplish consistently well. So, well, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. And another thing, this isn't really so much of a question, but an observation I realized um, from the very beginning with the book that, you know, you have a cast of characters, you know, usually when you hear a group of friends go away for the weekend, you're, you go straight to like a hen party or like, you know, all girls or a bachelor party, always like, this is a co-ed mix of people and people are very different, have very different backgrounds. I mean, which is, is refreshing, I think, and not, and there are platonic relationships among the friends. They're not all there to partner up or anything. Um, and I just wondered, like, I, I couldn't think of many other books that really have that with the alternating voices that show a plurality, I think, of relationships and um, sort of a complex history and al it, almost like a family dynamic among these, these people. I was just curious if that was something that you thought about from the very beginning or if it just came to you that way or if it reflected your own experience. Yeah, so the the characters are very much based on my Vassar friends. Um, again, not in an exact way, and I, I I think they'd appreciate it if I quickly point out that none of the characters are directly lifted um, from any of them. I was careful to make them all an amalgam of different people, so they're all combined and they you know came out in different uh, form, and so um, no one has to worry uh, about that. Um, and but they're very much um, inspired by by Vassar, which was a very eclectic place um, with a lot of you know, different kinds of personalities and um, all combined. And, and so it felt just very real and authentic to what my experience had been um, and what it continues to be actually with um, you know, those friends now and um, how our lives are all different, um, but we're kind of united by this very, very intense emotional bond. And I think that's true of a lot of people, you know, about their older friends, or their high school or college, um, where those, those people really are the people you would call. Um, in fact, I called a friend last night, uh, one of the, my Vassar friends, and I called her very late at night. I was, I was packing and I, I it, and then you on the West Coast, it was early for, for her, so I could call that late. Um, and 
she, the first words out of her mouth was what's wrong and where am I going? Cause it was so late my time. And her media was like, you never called me at this time. What's the matter? Um, and, uh, I love that, you know, like I, I love that. Um, and, uh, they mean so much to me. And so the book is, is to some extent a love letter to them. Um, and if you read the book, you'll, you know, you'll see that they're certainly not perfect people and their friendships aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's meant to show the complexity of that bond, which has, you know, really good sides and it has dark sides too. And, and I wanted to explore that in a way that I, I think I tried to do similarly in a good marriage about marriage. It's, it's, a, it's a look at what those bonds are and the limitations and the complications. That offers a nice segue into my next question, which is about um, whether you have early readers for your books. And specifically with this book, I'm wondering, did any of your Vassar friends or have any of your Vassar friends read early copies yet? Yeah, no, most of them have actually. Um, and they are certainly among my um, my beta readers. It's interesting, yeah. as you know, Jennifer, for having worked on this book, like once you and I mean, you came in so early on this book, so you were like, when it was like, mm, not really not in English at all. Um, so by the time it's ready, to, like, and once you know the twists, it becomes very hard to analyze whether or not they're working at a certain point, because you already know them. So you're, you're, it's hard to judge. So getting those beta readers who can read a fairly early draft um, becomes critical, I think, uh, in a book like this. Uh, and so it has to be people you really, really trust because the book's not ready. It's not an advanced copy. It's nowhere near there. And you have to be like, just trust me, it's, <laughs> it's going to be good when I'm done. Um, and they are really able to, um, to do that. I mean, some of them are writers um, and some are not. Um, and so it's, and it's just such an important thing, again, to kind of get that chorus of feedback um, from those people who, who will be honest with you, but will also, you know, be kind. Um, so they'll always lead with something good and then be like, you know, these parts just didn't make sense to me, what have you. Um, and yeah, so I absolutely rely on that, um, on having a, a big group of beta readers for sure. Uh, I actually find it very useful myself when, when I'm looking for feedback on a book that I'm too close to, having somebody who's not in the industry, not a writer or a, so just, I call them just, a, you know, your average reader, usually one of my sisters, you know, look at something and A, they'll be really honest, but B, they will also just be looking at it from the point of view of, did this entertain me? Did it confuse me? Was I, did I get the twist? Did I, was I satisfied? Rather than looking, sort of getting into the weeds. Um, but it is interesting that sometimes an editor is not the person who can have that distance by a certain point. And that's why it's also worth mentioning that Kim works with a terrific agent named Doreen Karchmar, who was invaluable as another person reading and sort of looking because this book was written in an incredibly short period of time, especially considering how um, nuanced and layered and uh, complicated it is. So having trusted readers read at different stages and looking for different things is I think vital um, as much as you know a really strong author like Kim can do you can't do everything on your own especially when you're working on on a deadline so I feel no, really I mean, you that. like like that can't be emphasized uh, Jennifer's underplaying her, her role in the book um, but like she really did read it when it was like and that I have to say is such a um, 
it's a tremendous testament to you, Jennifer, that I felt um, that I could trust you to do that because it's, you really, at least the way I write and every writer is different. I think some people just their first drafts because they outline perhaps or much farther along. Mm -hmm. um, and we had worked together on A Good Marriage, but that was actually the first book we worked together on. So at least we did have that track record, but I had worked, that book was a lot farther along um, by the time I submitted it. And so, you know, for, for you to kind of, you know, get in there at the beginning and just be, so it was really just at the very, very early stages of me figuring out what the story was and figuring out who the characters were. And you were really able to get in there and give advice at that stage, which is extremely difficult to do because I feel like you're, um, the temptation to, to just get in too much in the details, I feel like mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard to be able to um, step back and, and give you know, broad strokes advice that will have a significant impact, which you did at that very early stage um, you know, that changed the story. So I was so grateful for that. Um, it was really, uh, and that you, and, and also the other thing Jennifer does, is she, but she is also very into details later, which is also not always the, the true of all editors, but like Jennifer would be like, I love it. It's like, she's like there in like sentence by sentence. It's the best. Um, so uh, I really appreciate it. And you, you can't, I mean, maybe some authors can, I certainly cannot do it um, alone. And, and I feel like you're so, if, if everyone else is close to it, you are so close to it as an author. There's no separation between you and the, you are the story. And so it's impossible to, to see, and see it. And I think it's really important for, for writers to understand that and to, to know that that is getting good feedback. It's like a gift. I mean, you should always take it because it's, um, you, you can't see it uh, in the way somebody else will. Um, and also I think you take it to that stage where you're seeing it the way a reader would see it, which is a, an even higher um, level of understanding. So um, I was very, very grateful. Well, I, I was really happy to be involved in the early stages because I think that part is really fun. I know it's torture for authors and I, I'm curious to know what part of writing a novel do you find toughest? And and has that changed for you over time? Or is it always the same sort of obstacle? Yeah. So first of all, I feel like it's all tough, um, mm -hmm. is, the, is the truth. Um, I think the hardest part is after you have a first draft, if, if again, this is all the, the way I write. Um, if you write the way I write, um, the stage after a first draft, when you, you, you've done your first draft and you're so excited, <laughs> and then you go back and you look at it, <laughs> and you're like... For the love of God, what is this thing I made that makes no sense? Um, but I, because I, I don't look back and it's just, you know, just like rocket through a first draft. And I don't, you know, I, I, that is my method and I think it's the right one for me. Uh, but it means that your first draft is enormous and very messy. Um, in there lies, you know, this incredible thing, hopefully. Um, but I would say it's that that process of excavation from first draft, that hard turn mm -hmm. of first draft into like readable second draft is probably the hardest um, because, you know, you just really have to face the reality of, you know, the story in your head um, and what's actually gotten onto the page and, and where the holes are. Um, because the whole time you're, the writing of first draft is like just the best. <laughs> because again, if you do it the way I do it, because you're just like, I'm just going to write. I'm just every day. You're like, I'm so, so genius. And this book's going to be so good because you're just writing something and not going back and looking at it. Um, 
And that enables you to get to the end, which is why I think that it is a good method because you don't, you just finish a draft. Um, and then you, know, you can only fix what is finished. So, um, but, the, but that first turn is, can take me almost as long as the first draft. And so like, that's a hard, I feel like that's a hard transition. And it's so interesting because from, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I suspect a lot of editors would feel the same way. The writing, the initial writing is the thing that seems so impossible and incomprehensible to me. It's like any, I can work with anything if it's already there, but that act of creation and of starting and getting it going in the germ of the idea and putting it down, it feels like alchemy or something. Um, so so I, I think the solution is the next time after I'm done the first draft, I'm just going to yeah. send that. <laughs> you, can just, you can just fix it. And then it will be a perfect team. And then I never have to do that part. <laughs> right, well, well, we'll get a lot of books published. Probably. <laughs> so, um, I think we're probably running out of time. So I'm just going to ask you um, the last question on my list, which is who are the writers in the crime slash suspense category that inspire you and whom you admire the most? They don't have to be contemporary. It can be anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, for me, uh, Laura Lippman was a really uh, early inspiration for me. And I can remember when I was first, um, before I got, I wrote several, like four or five books, I can no longer remember, um, before I sold Reconstructing Amelia. And I can remember being told that um, my multiple points of view and, and shifting perspectives or whatever was causing the problem and that I, I couldn't do that or I wouldn't, and I would definitely people were like, you're never going to sell a book, just write it from one point of view and stop doing this thing you're doing which is why you should never listen to people things like that. But um, I remember reading, I believe it was What the Dead Know um, by Laura Lippman, right around that time when I'd gotten some kind of final note from an agent or an outside editor, like a freelance editor telling me to change my structure. And that book was written in kind of multiple uh, timeframes. And also she had the kind of character development and pacing and that I was aspiring to. So um, I, I really admire her and I admire her um, the way she kind of every book is doing something different. And I think she's really always kind of pushing the boundaries of her own work. Um, I am like a total fangirl for Gillian Flynn and I always will be. She's the one book that I um, missed my song girl. I missed my subway stop <laughs> reading it. Um, so that for me will always be kind of a gold standard of creating a, a twist that, you know, really came out of nowhere for me. Um, and and again, balancing really that character development and the thematics at the same time. So I think that um, they were both um, really high in my book. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a million um, incredibly talented writers, but, but those two stand out for me. And I just want to add again that uh, Friends Like These is coming out on September 7th. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.